My name is Nick Alford. I worked as a doctor specialist for Xenospecies at Area 51 most of my life. I still am, even if I've been transferred for my own security. My job consisted mostly of keeping the subjects alive but unconscious, making sure we could experiment on them without killing them. Seems cruel. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, I used to think that, but not all species come here in peace and not all messengers are stuck at Area 51. If you were on board with the skeptics, well, let me stop you right there. We are not alone in this universe. We are definitely not the most intelligent and war-prepared species either. Humans like to think that they have it all. They have the resources, they have the means, they have the technologies. But there are so many things that go beyond what our little imagination can think of. When it comes to alien technologies, that is. I mean, sure, we've intercepted a few different species, from aliens as big as that dust on the corner of your shelf over there, to things that would make you tremble knowing that they exist. And yet none of them had the capacity of putting fear into me as much as the one we called Doppel. Oh, also, before I continue, I should state that there seems to be a giant misconception about what the Area 51 is. Sure, Roswell, New Mexico, was the first place where the United States had their own alien crash site and whatnot. But... We are so much more than that. After Roswell, Area 51 became like a hub for pseudoscientists and xenofans alike. The most brilliant and unknown minds of our era live, breathe, and study between the walls of Area 51. We aren't only a research center on aliens. We're a miniature city of scientists, doctors, and specialists in xenobiology. We have engineers studying the ships and other means of transportation. We have doctors, like me, who are there to keep the creatures alive. And we have the scientists. You know, those who experiment, take samples, study, analyze. We also have linguistic experts who, well, they basically don't have a lot of work since we keep most subjects unconscious and most of those that are unnecessary to keep down, can't, or won't speak to us. Area 51 has its own democracy, too. You see, it has its own rules, its own legislation. And sure, most of them are taken from the real world, but when you step into Area 51, the restricted part of it, you are no longer human. You are no longer living in the earthly dimension. Sorry, I needed to say that before pursuing, because you need to understand that Area 51 is a whole different universe. Things are not always as they appear, and things can't be judged as they are either. Another important thing to remember about Area 51 is that you can't be released. When you agree to work for the government, and when I say government, I don't only mean the United States but the world government. You agree that you are willing to forfeit your life. First, they make you disappear. 
and then you can never return because you can never leave. But, well, let's get back to Doppel because that is what you really want to hear about. Doppel was one of the subjects that crashed into Madagascar. The local authorities were dispatched, but never made it to the crash site before our team. Area 51 has bases all around the world, in remote, hidden locations, just in case of this happening. We were there within a half an hour and had the perimeter covered and blocked. What we found there should have died, but it didn't. There was about nothing left of Doppel's ship. The fragments that we found told the engineer absolutely nothing, except that they had never seen this kind of material before. Most species we encountered through the years were still using metals with different molecular structures, which made them stronger than ours and more adaptive to space travel, but Doppel? Well, considering the impact destroyed everything, we thought maybe the creature had been lucky to survive when everything else around it had melted, been destroyed to pieces, or vanished into thin air. We didn't rule out the possibility that this creature might have been sent here to die by their own, or to be quarantined, so we treated Doppel with extreme caution. Hazmat suits, heavy detection methods, and we pumped it full of drugs hoping it wouldn't kill it, mostly because we had no idea what was this thing's constitution, what and how it would react to our planet's chemicals, but we had to try. Doppel looked like none of the other creatures we'd seen. I would call it a slime, but well, even then it wouldn't be accurate. It didn't particularly have a physical form, but it also didn't have a liquid form. When it was down, we took a million and one pictures to remember what it looked like. We had to deal with a few shifters, and we expected Doppel to be one of them, you know, due to its strange appearance at all. Doppel was more like floating water, but with certain stickiness and thickness to it. It could shape itself the way it wanted, which is why when we found it, well, we didn't see it right away. Its translucent body rested on the ground like water, and nobody questioned it until one of our Xeno specialists, based in Africa, recognized the water as something else. You see, in a sense, we were lucky that he did. Otherwise, this unconscious blob of water could have wrecked havoc. We would have had a major cleanup on our hands in Madagascar. Nobody really wants another Chernobyl in that Area 51. In any case, after restraining Doppel, he was shipped directly here to Area 51 and I was assigned to it to make sure it was alive and to keep it unconscious if possible. Which, well, you have to agree with me, is fairly difficult when you don't have a body to deal with. <laughs> you see, there were no vitals to collect. But I quickly discovered how Doppel breathed and lived. The mass was animated by something that wasn't unlike electricity, but still couldn't really be put to rest. I couldn't cut into it like I would a body either, 
considering he was neither liquid nor solid. Our scientists tried various methods, but got no response either. From the moment we found it in Madagascar, to the moment it woke up in our lab, there had been no signs of life except that feeling of electricity. As I closed distance with it, my hair stood on end. I could feel the voltage, but we couldn't trap it, figure out where was its source. And all that we knew was that it was alive, somehow, but we had no idea how to determine whether or not it was conscious. Until it spoke and acted. The first Xeno-specialist that were in contact with Doppel was a team of scientists working to figure out the source of its power and life. It took them weeks to trigger a response from Doppel, and they only managed to do it with a powerful magnet in the room. Doppel woke up. And then it screamed. It screamed so loud that the heavy glass shattered, and we had to quarantine the area. We lost five scientists that day, and when we found them, all of their eardrums had exploded and their internal organs were boiled, as if the sound Doppel generated had been loud enough to bring their blood to boil and destroy them from the inside out. We only managed to contain Doppel by completely shutting down this area, and by completely shutting, I mean shutting down lights cameras, and most electric systems except the locks that kept it behind iron walls. This thing sucked on the light fixtures and it glowed. Tried the electric panel and it grew. It took six hours for Doppel to return to a vegetative state. But he never stopped glowing. We woke it up once and we now needed to find a way to put him down again. Unfortunately, that was me and my team's job. Equipped with flexible iron suits. <laughs> it sounds funny. Iron suits like suits of armor, but that's not what they were. It doesn't matter. We got into the quarantine area. All of our equipment was powered by batteries, as to not let this thing devour any sort of power or electricity. And yet, we had no clue if batteries would do the same. We knew it hated magnets, though, and we were all equipped with some high-quality magnets to keep it at bay if necessary. Now, I know this sounds ridiculous, but this thing we'd never seen before was consuming electricity killed people with a sound burst and boiled their organs. If the only thing we knew it disliked was a magnet, well, then I was going to cover myself in some. You feel me? And so, here I am, walking toward that screeching blob of death, hoping it wouldn't wake up. I might have the highest tech implanted in my ears right now, we don't even know if that'll be sufficient if the thing wakes up. The closer I get, the more impatient and worried I get. You see, I felt my legs tremble, turning to cotton below my knees, but I force myself one step at a time. My breathing is harsh, and it's hot as hell in that suit. 
My vision gets a little blurry, and I blamed it on the fact that there's a lot of power and energy in that room. I turned my head to look at my colleagues, all slowly approaching the mass lying amongst the debris, and I tell myself, this is it. This is how I'm going to die. My career is going to end. My life is going to end because of this blob. So we all stood close to one another as we got about a foot's distance of Doppel. And I don't know why, but when I looked at this resting piece of translucent murder, I thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever laid my eyes upon. You see, its form was glowing a faint blue, and I could see it inhale and exhale, despite the lack of lungs. Or maybe, just like the rest of it, it was all translucent. It looked like jelly you didn't leave long enough in the fridge to solidify, and yet its power was undeniable. I was attracted to it like a moth to a flame, and I tried to resist, but in the end, it didn't really matter. It was at that point I did something none other had the guts to do until then. Well, I reached out to touch it, and even took off my Kevlar gloves to do so. This thing could have destroyed me with a single scream, and yet here I was, trying to pet it like it was a cat. Humans do bond with anything and everything. It was warm. It was so warm and yet so flexible, I felt like I could bury my fingers in it. Now, I stopped myself at first because I had no idea that would damage it. But then again, I thought, if a crash didn't harm it, how could I? And so I did. I pushed my fingers into the mass and was welcomed with a texture like none others. I could feel small vessels bending to accommodate my fingers, moving away instead of breaking. It trapped my fingers in warmth, and when I pulled my fingers away, all that was left was a definite numbness in the tip of my fingers, as if I didn't have any blood reaching them for a few seconds. Did it try sucking my energy through my fingers? More studies needed to be made. I plunged my fingers back in. I remember seeing the masks of my colleagues next to me. I was taking a risk for science, but I was willing to put my hand, and possibly my life, on the line. Some had already been lost, and I was ready. If this blob wanted or needed my life, and if it could give us answers, I was ready. What I'm about to tell you is the whole truth and nothing but the truth, no matter how scary it sounds. Even if you refuse to believe me, this is my truth. Doppel spoke to me. It told me everything I needed to know about it, where it came from, what it wanted, why it was sent here. I could feel my fingers getting number and number by the second. But the knowledge I was amassing were reason enough to continue. I was ready to lose my hand, 
I felt a connection so powerful to Doppel that I didn't want to let go. And I didn't until I heard it scream again. And yet it didn't hurt me. I saw my colleagues drop like flies, blood staining the front of their visors as their brain boiled within their skulls. But with my fingers buried deep into the alien, I was immune. And I knew that if I took my fingers out, I would likely die like the rest of them. Within its screams, I heard the answer. The answer to everything. I knew exactly why he had been sent here. Just like me, he was here to study. And as he transferred everything he knew to me, he also took everything he needed. I saw the bodies of my colleagues convulse on the ground, but it told me not to move an inch, and so I didn't. I watched in both amazement and terror as the spasms came to a full stop and the scream ended. There wasn't any functioning camera in here. Nothing to prove that what happened really happened. It was my word against, well, against no one, since Doppel couldn't speak, unless touched. All my colleagues were dead and I was alive, even as Doppel kept screaming. But he eventually stopped and everything went black. But you know that, don't you? They've already told you that part. You see, they told you how they found me, how they found the others. How when they opened their iron coffins, they found them the same way they found the five scientists, with blood dripping from their ears abundantly, and visible signs of their blood boiling their organs. Vessels exploded in everything. You... Know that. Because otherwise, you wouldn't be here, looking at me through this glass. But you're also a new face. You see, I haven't seen one in a long time. Where's Marty? Where's Carl? Well, they used to be my friends. All they do now is look at me strangely. No matter how many times I keep telling this story, keep repeating my name, credentials, and everything, they keep looking at me sideways. My name is Nick Alford. It's pronounced Al-Ford, like the cars. I'm here before you, telling you that you're wrong. I've given you everything you needed to know to stop them. They're coming and you know it. So why do you keep me here when I could be so much more useful on the other side? I am Nick. Not Doppel. No, not Doppel. Please stop calling me that. And drop the magnets. Please. Please. 